Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. Anybody like a love story? The other day, this isn't the love story, but, but the other day Susan and I were flipping through the TV trying to look for something to watch. And uh, we were just flipping through movie after movie after movie. And I said, hey, babe, let, let's, let's watch this one. And she said, why would I want to watch that movie? She says, there's no love story at all in that movie. I said, babe, it's, it's a 30-hour documentary on the history of baseball. It is nothing but love. I, I don't know what you're missing uh, in that moment. Uh, but if you come this morning and you're like, boy, I love a good love story, then today is your day. Because what we're going to talk about this morning is the great love story, and you're in the middle of it. The great love story of God, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that we would hear your voice more than we hear anything else this morning. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us truth that is unchanging throughout all time. But Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us truth that is pertinent to this moment and to our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. As we get ready for the table in just a few moments, I want you to hear this truth about how God feels about the church. In fact, one of the things that I want you to hear right off the top is I want you to know that God loves the church. It says so right here, husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church. And in fact, as it begins to talk about this expression of love, he pulls into this romantic conversation about husbands loving their wives. But before he can even go a few steps down that road, he says, listen, if you really want to talk about love, if you really want to talk about what real, true love is, nobody, nobody loves better than Jesus loves. Nobody loves better than Christ loves. And so as he's trying to teach the young churches about what it means to be married and what it means for husbands to love their wives and wives to love their husbands, before he can even get too far down that road, he says, listen, if we're going to talk about love, we have to talk about how Jesus loved the church. Now this is really interesting because now we know that Jesus created the church. 
And he could have just said, listen, you, you know how important the church is because Jesus created it. He, he, we, we know that Jesus uses the church. And so he could say, listen, this is really important because Jesus uses the church. We, we could say it's really important because Jesus imagined and created the church. Jesus uses the church. Jesus is involved in the church. But it's not what he says. He says that Jesus loves the church. No one loves better than Jesus. He is the definition of love. And when he talks about his love, he says he loves you, the church. Now, not only are we talking about Jesus' love, but what you have to understand that when he is talking about Jesus' love, he is talking about you, the church. Now, when we come to a passage like this and we, we, we see the word church, now, if you really kind of want to dig in deep, you, you can ask a couple of questions. When it talks about Jesus loves the church and the whole rest of this passage, are they talking about what we might call the church universal? And that is the church everywhere and throughout all time. Or is he talking about the church local and specific that, that meets on the corner of Fagan and J.W. Davis? Yes. He, he's talking about both. And sometimes we have to be reminded that when we talk about church, in fact, as you read the New Testament, and I spent some time this week trying to look at every time the word church appears in the New Testament, one of the things I discovered is about half the time it is talking about the universal, large, present everywhere through all the ages and on every land. He's talking about the universal church, but also at the same time, about half the time, he's talking about the church that meets in this room. And he's talking about a church that meets in somebody's house. And he's talking about a church that meets in a cathedral. And he's talking about a church that meets in a storefront. It is a local church. And I think whichever one you kind of, when you hear the word church, if what comes to your mind is the, is the large church and the, and the universal church that is everywhere, then one of the things that we have to be reminded of is the local church. This one right here, that is the people who sit next to you. This is the real church. And, and if in our minds we only think about this church, then there needs to be a little bit of a correction inside of our own heart and mind because then we need to think about the universal grand church that across the United States, uh, across the world, across time, all of those churches. And do you know which one Jesus loves? Both. All. Jesus loves the church. And you are the church. You ever worry about the church sometimes? You know, you're like, well, with our pastor, yes, all of the time. I, I worry about the church. Listen, it goes both ways. With this congregation, I worry about the church all the time. But this, this, this is the church that Jesus loves. This is the church that Jesus loves. This is the church that Jesus has a plan for. This is the church that he holds the future of and that he is equipped and he has prepared. 
And so I want you to know that as you walk into this building today, Jesus loves you because you are the church. I also want you to think this morning, I want you to think about the fact that Jesus puts his love into action. If we had a little bit more time today, we'd really pick all of this apart. But just kind of glance your eyes back on the page here. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then just from here on out, just think of the things that Jesus has done for the church, that he loves the church that is you. He gave himself up for her, for you, in order that he might sanctify the church that's you having cleansed you by the washing of water with the word so that he might present you to himself in splendor. Splendor. Man, we don't use the word splendor very often. Sometimes we try to portray splendor on the screen, and when we try to portray splendor on the screen, we, we, we make the person kind of glow, and, and we have a choir in the background that goes, ah. See, Brian, you never use those skills. Those, those skills are right there. See, the church is going to be just fine. I'm right here. But the, 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 the splendor says, here is this light, and here is, ah, oh, this, this, this thing. Listen, Jesus. He's going to present you in splendor to himself. Not just buffed up in the corners, but in full splendor he's going to present you without spot or wrinkle or any such thing so that you might be holy and without blemish. And then he says in the same way, husbands, love your wives as, your, as you love your own bodies, as he loves, as he loves the church. He says in verse 20, he says, no one, 29, he says, no one has ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it just like Christ does the church. He sacrificed for the church. He sanctifies the church. He cleanses the church. He washes the church. He presents it in splendor to be holy. He nourishes and cherishes it. Every once in a while, we kind of have a little define the relationship moment and you kind of look at someone that you have a meaningful relationship with and you always have in the back of your mind, and I don't want to put this in the back of your mind if it's not in the back of your mind, but do they feel, <laughs> do they feel the same way about me that I feel about them? Is this a real relationship? Is this a fake relationship? Or are they just playing me for some reason? How do I know that what's on the other side of this relationship is real? I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And he has sacrificed himself for you. And he has poured himself out for you. And he has washed you. And he has cleansed you. And he nourishes you. And he cherishes you so that he can present you in splendor to himself. Oh, it's real. Because on the other side of that relationship is Jesus himself who loves you and pours out his life for you. It's amazing. But hold on to this. Jesus not only loves you, not only puts his love into action, 
But Jesus invites you to union with himself. Jesus invites you to union with himself. Now, now this is heavy, this is wild, but it's also what Scripture says. So that the two may become one. Now, you see, in this section of Ephesians chapter 5, he is teaching them about what it looks like to submit to one another. And he says, this is what you do in a marriage. And then he starts talking about kids. And then he talks about the workplace. And he goes through all of these different kinds of relationships and says, this is what it means to submit to one another in Christ in all of these relationships. But out of all of those relationships, he only stops to say, this is like Christ and the church for one of them. Even though we refer to God as our Heavenly Father, He doesn't go off and He talks about fathers honor your children and children honor your parents. He doesn't go into a theological thing there. What He does in terms of relationship, He does it about husbands and wives. Because the husband and the wife become one flesh. And in fact, He says it right here in the text. He says, he receives you so that you may be one with him. He says in verse 30, 31, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And you're thinking, okay, he's back to talking about husbands and wives. But then in verse 32, he says, this mystery is mind-blowing. Okay, your translation says profound, but it really means mind-blowing. He says, this mystery is profound. I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Somehow, in some way, Christ loves you so much that he receives you unto himself that you have union with Jesus Christ. You're not his favorite pet. You become part of Christ. Now, you may think, no way. Oh, I, I don't know. That, 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 that's, that's too big. Well, he says he's preparing to present you to himself in splendor. The, the pieces that, that still need to be worked on, he's going to take care of that. And you may say, well, no way. My life is too broken and too messed up. And there are too many things that I've done wrong inside of my life. There's no way that, that I can have union with Christ and the two of us become one. It's impossible. I've got too much junk in my life. What do you think he was washing away? What do you, it says that he washes us and he cleanses us. What do you think he was washing away? But every broken piece of my life life so that I can become one with him so what does this mean for us well I was thinking back to our last combined worship service I know you remember what I preached that Sunday yeah, I was serious <laughs> I was thinking back to our last combined worship service and we talked about that passage from Romans chapter 1, verse 7, when Paul speaks to the church there in Rome, and he addresses them in two ways, to those who are loved by God 
and called to be a saint. Guess what? We're back to the same place. You are loved by God, and He is washing away every broken place in the life of this church and every broken place in the life of those who make up this church so that He can present us in splendor without blemish so that we may be holy. You are loved by God, and you are called to be a saint set aside in holiness for him. I want you to know that truth for you. I want you to come in this morning and I want you to go out this morning knowing that you are loved by God and that you are called to be separate for him. And it's the power of his blood that washes away every piece of sin and brokenness in our lives. I want you to know that for you. And there's almost a sense, I don't want you to leave today until you've sat in your seat long enough to really hear that truth. He loves you, and you are called to be a saint and to be holy because he's going to wash away the brokenness. I don't want you to leave until you know that. Not here. But I want you to also know that that same truth is for your neighbors. That same truth is for every single person that drives by on this interstate, every single person that drives by on Fagan, every single person that gets in the way of your life, every single family member, every single person that you're going to see at work, this same truth is for them. God loves them. And he is prepared to wash away and to cleanse and to present them in splendor. Which brings us to the table.